Good evening, everybody. Welcome inside the Villanova Basketball Report. It's live here on Bob Long Sports. Bob Long, we got a full studio here tonight alongside me to my left, Kevin Long, and to his left, Tom Trainer. Well, Villanova back, guys, on the winning track, winning two games this week. First against Marquette. Very, very encouraging for about 30 minutes. Holding on for dear life for the last 10. And then in the Temple game, holding on for dear life in the first half and very convincing in the second. And this is uh, something we've talked a lot about, but we'll talk about it on a continuous basis here over the course of these shows, or at least until they do put together a full 40 minutes of Villanova basketball. But two wins are two wins. Seton Hall coming back to the earth here and... The Big East race wide open as we head into the final three weeks of the regular season. Kevin Long, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on the week that was, what stood out to you, and uh, and we'll go from there. Yeah, another wild week in the Big East. Great win against Marquette. Uh, my one concern coming out of that game is we still don't know who our best defender is necessarily. We're still trying to figure out how to guard a Marcus Howard or, or a Miles Powell and it seems like they continue to put Sadiq Bey. Uh, it seems to be the guy that they go to most often, but I'm not sure if he really is, is the best guy for that job, and uh, we're really just having a tough time stopping um, you know, some of those star players. And uh, as for the Temple game, obviously a really disappointing first half. Uh, really struggled to score the ball in the first half, other than Colin Gillespie. I mean, I, I don't even know if you win that game. I know they won by 20, but without Colin playing as well as he did in the first half, I'm not sure if Villanova can come back from that. Robinson Earl getting in foul trouble early certainly helped or hurt them. Um, and then he came back strong in the second half. So I've been really impressed with the way that he's come along this year. I, I think that he has had a really strong, especially Big East season so far. And uh, you can tell he, he's a big difference maker for this team on the court. Tom, your thoughts on the past week that was, we'll start with you on the Marquette game, because I think when we, we talk about this Villanova team, they'll certainly be defined by the remainder of their Big East schedule. In fact, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, Adam Zagoria, along with others, threw a statistic out there that that Villanova Temple game is the only game this year played between non-conference Power 5 or Power 6 type teams uh, after after February 1st of this entire basketball season. So the Big Five keeping things like that alive, they do that from time to time, but the rest of this year will be defined by the Big East. So what did you see against Marquette? Well, in the Marquette game, I think we finally saw what we had been looking for for a while now, which was a hot start from the offense uh, and consistently hitting the three ball, spreading it around. Uh, really, the offense was the game changer uh, in that game. I would say overall, Kevin makes a good point that we have struggled guarding individual star players, but I have seen a defense that is much more cohesive and a solid whole, much better job rotating, better job rebounding, and uh, they just are more aware and playing as a team out there defensively, so I've been impressed with that. But the first thing that came to mind in the Marquette game is definitely the hot start. Uh, it didn't feel like we were still um, you know, getting off the bus or playing catch-up the entire first half, which has been the case a lot this season, even in games where we have won comfortably. Um, for example, the Temple game uh, comes to mind from this past week as well. And Colin Gillespie has been... Um, the go-to X factor for us, but it hasn't just been him. I mean, if you look down the roster, we have five guys who are averaging double figures. We're still very much a team that spreads the ball and a lot of guys contribute. Colin has been definitely leading of late, and it's been great to have that go-to player when the rest of the team is struggling, and there have been a few games where Sadiq Bey has cooled off a bit. So it, it, I think we have a very balanced team. Uh, especially defensively, they do. They have seem seem to be figuring things out at the right time, and I think this is a good sign leading into the remainder of Big East play and the conference tournament. Sure, and with relation to Colin Gillespie, the consistency of the starting five is, is certainly encouraging. But even Colin Gillespie as a whole, fifteen going on 16 points per game after the big performance against Temple, but only twice in the entire 2019-2020 season has he scored less than 10 points in a basketball game, the last of which was January the 4th in a 71-60 loss against Marquette. So not only can he go off and have those big games, but he's also going to give you those 10, 12, 15-point performances on the regular 
that allows the rest of the team around him to kind of build off that benchmark. And honestly, guys, we were talking about this off air, but the point guards that this program has brought in in the last three iterations since the down years of 2012-2013, Ryan Archidiakono, Jalen Brunson, National Player of the Year, and Colin Gillespie, who knows what his accolades are going to be by the end of it. We saw Archie Diakno on Wednesday get his number retired, and deservedly so, in the Villanova Wall of Fame. Uh, Colin Gillespie having an incredible career for this Villanova team, an under-recruited Division II type guy after his junior year at Archbishop Wood locally here. And all of a sudden, an all-time great and a guy headed towards Archie Diakno and Brunson status, a guy that if he plays another year like he does this year and next year, will absolutely have his number in the rafters by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, I, I don't remember, honestly, the last time I've seen one guy take on so much for this Villanova basketball team. If you look back to the days of Ryan Archidiakno, especially at the end of his career, he had a lot of support around him. He had a lot of good players. Obviously, Jalen Brunson throughout his entire career had a lot of help around him. Even last year, Phil Booth was the guy, but he had Eric Paschal, who was a seasoned veteran, had been there. And it seems to all fall on Colin Gillespie's shoulders now. He, he's, you know, he needs to dribble the ball. He needs to handle the ball. There's maybe, you know, other than Moore and Bay, those are your next best ball handlers. He needs, he's, you know, getting all the assists. He's scoring a lot of the points. Everything falls on him. I'd be interested to see what percentage of points he contributes to, whether mm -hmm. that's an assist or a point or, or however else he may be able to affect the play. I'd be interested to see the percentage of, of points that he is contributing towards because I bet that it's the highest percentage in a while from any one player uh, on this Villanova team. And an unsung hero that I would add is Jeremiah Robinson Earl. He's, I mean, a freshman who is almost averaging a double-double. Mm -hmm. He's a half-rebound shy on average of averaging a double-double in his freshman season. And the great thing about the kid is his attitude. And we know that's what Villanova preaches is attitude, attitude, attitude. But he seems very happy, uh, you know, a blue trip recruit from IMG Academy um, who many people thought may have been a one-and-done prospect comes in here and yeah. he's happy to do the and dirty work. many thought was going to stay in Kansas mm -hmm. from Overland Park. Sure. They wanted him badly, and he came to Villanova. Tremendous get there for Jay Wright. Totally an unsung hero. Uh, if I may, I wish his rebound total was just slightly less which would mean that he's a better finisher at the hole and wouldn't get his own caroms. But, uh, but honestly, that's a nitpick there. I think that's one thing that, whether he is one and done or not, as his basketball career continues here at Villanova and then at the next level in the NBA at some point, that's still really the one part of his game. And a little bit of strength, too, and I don't think those are entirely, um, <laughs> entirely different. There's some interrelation there. Um, his physicality, which he will continue to grow into his freshman body, and his ability to finish right at the hole. But he has been fantastic, and yes, this team would be in an entirely different place without him. Yeah, and you're starting to see him get a little bit of confidence in himself. He's starting to take that three-pointer with a little more uh, freedom. You know, he was a little bit hesitant in the start of the season, but uh, that type of stuff will really open up his game. And, you know, and he, he helps bring up the ball every once in a while as well, too. When, when you need him to, you, you feel like he may be that next guy that can help out. You know, you don't necessarily trust Jermaine Samuels bringing up the ball. He's, he's usually going straight to the hole. So Robinson Earl has been turning into one of those guys that they can really rely on. Yeah, it's been a great, certainly a, a great last week or so for Villanova, a bounce back. And you're seeing some of those players come into their role. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Jermaine Samuels getting healthier, Colin Gillespie taking over when needed. Even Sadiq, Sadiq Bey, just, just 10 points and 9 points in his two most recent games, 29 and 22 in the two games prior to that. Those were losses, but you're seeing the consistency from him. Uh, the last two, maybe not quite as much, but he is a guy along with Gillespie that are really your bell cows for this Villanova team. We're also going to go to the whiteboard at some point here in the show relatively soon and do a V's and O's segment on ball movement. And we're going to highlight one particular play in general, but it's more emblematic of what happened in the second half. And we'll break down a little bit of the difference between the second half and the first half. And this one particular possession that ended with a three and kind of a dagger, the, the lead extended to 14 at that point. Uh, it's going to be a fun, fun walkthrough because as it was happening live, you're sitting there thinking, wow, you know, that is how Villanova 
can wear down opposing defenses. And a team like Temple, you know, maybe not quite the discipline that they needed to uh, in the second half. Also, Villanova just so hot from three. You know, when the ball movement creates the type of threes where you're stepping into it and you're having some late help from the defense, that's a lot different than some of the get down the floor and jacket like we've seen when the offense is a bit more stagnant. And again, I think it's still about getting it for 40 minutes if you're Jay Wright and this coaching staff, but you're seeing the seeds being planted in a very young team that we didn't know from the beginning of the year, guys. Is this a team that could make a deep run in the NCAA tournament? Is this a three seed? Is this a two seed? We didn't know for a long time. The record, I thought, was artificially buoyed for a while. Then I think the three losses, what, three losses in a row, um, that was maybe a bit overstated because of the teams that they played. I thought they played very well against Butler. They played pretty well against Seton Hall. The Creighton game is the one that bugs you. So, again, maybe overinflated in the beginning. The last three weeks, it's not as bad as it seems. And now you have a team growing and I think finally starting to hit their stride on both the offensive and the defensive end. Yeah, I, and I don't necessarily look at the Creighton game as a bad loss. Yeah, they've been now. they've been hot uh, over the past couple of weeks here. The way they lost, I was not thrilled with. Sure. A slow yeah. start, unable to come back. Where was the energy that we saw in the second half and the first? If you play with right. that for 40 minutes, you win the game. That that's all I mean there. Right, and and it's been sort of the same story all year. Just just a you know a game that they couldn't come back from. But you know having them at about. 12 I believe they are right now so on that 3-4 line I think that's about what we would expect at this sure. point uh, possibly exceeding expectations from before this season really um, so you know I'm, I'm happy with where they are I think that the Big East is, is certainly getting their proper respect this season obviously three losses over the past two weeks and Villanova only dropping to 12 that certainly shows some respect towards the Big East uh, and Seton Hall and the way that they've been playing and you know, there's a, just a lot of great teams in this conference. Now, all of a sudden, Providence at 12 losses, maybe they're back in the picture with a big win against Seton Hall. Definitely need to make some noise in the Big East tournament in order to make a run. But uh, I think that I would say Villanova is right about where, where we thought they might be on the four line. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how some of these young guys react getting into March, into Big East tournament, and then eventually into uh, the NCAA, NCAA tournament. Bob, what do you think? Do you think they are still an overrated basketball team? I remember uh, you know, about a month ago right. when they were they would lose a few, drop to fifteen, then they'd win a couple, go back up to about ten, and you seem to think they were that fifteen between fifteen and twenty seem to be where they belong. Do you right. think twelve at this point is still an overrating? I think it's closer now probably than it was a couple of weeks ago. I think they are starting to play better basketball. and This isn't just the contrarian coming out here. It's uh, Yes, I know they've lost a, a lot of games recently, but what I saw in those games was a team that was starting to get their act together and a team that was starting to put it together. But, yeah, I mean, if you watched the first 20 minutes of the Villanova-Temple game, you'd say this isn't a ranked team, period. Then if you watched the second half of that game in a total vacuum and took the names off the jerseys, you'd say, I mean, my, my goodness, this looks like the 2018 team, the way they're shooting it from three. So the question is going to be consistency going forward. They can beat anybody. Uh, I, just wonder, I just wonder what that consistency looks like for 40 minutes. If they hit a lull in the first round of the NCAA tournament, can they bounce back? Uh, is Cole Swider going to be a, a, a really strong member of this team offensively going forward? Can he hack it enough defensively to even be in that discussion? And then you're going to ask a lot out of your freshmen for the time that they're going to need to play in the NCAA tournament. So uh, to answer your question, I would say probably slightly, but I actually feel more like they're a top 15 team now than I did before their losing streak. And I think the reason is I'm seeing more maturity and I'm seeing Colin Gillespie take his game to a different level, something that can allow J uh, Justin Moore and a Cole Swider uh, and, and guys like that to get minutes and be active in the game without being as counted upon as they otherwise would. And I'm going to throw Jermaine Samuels into that category as well. Mm. He's a really good third, well, I'm going to call him a really good fourth option that's probably serving as a third, but Robinson Earl taking that spot there as well, 3 and 3A. Three uh, Samuel's getting healthy is huge, 
and having Sadiq Bey and Colin Gillespie take the brunt of it is allowing Jermaine Samuels to be what he is, which is primarily an off-ball slasher, a, a guy who can get to the rim when he's not the primary source of the defense's attention. It was about this time last year where Jermaine really stepped up his game yep. leading into the conference tournament, and then he was – was he the tournament player? He was. Wasn't he the most valuable player of the tournament last yeah, year? Yeah, I don't or remember. Was that, or was that a Booth or a Pascal? I'm not sure, but I, I do know that Jermaine seemed to hit timely shot after timely shot towards the end of the sure. last season. Um, so it would be great to see um, him get going. But, I mean, I, you just look down the roster, and they don't have the depth that – they've had in the past and that's I, right. I, and last year was a different sort of lack of depth where it was you had two guys and nobody else this year it's like i think we have a solid five but then you just mentioned swider and then if you mentioned slater yeah and then after that there's brian antoine and then cosby roundtree right cosby roundtree who uh, what are what are your guys thoughts Cosby Roundtree, because if you had asked me two years ago, I would have expected you could say I would have expected him to develop into maybe not quite an Ochefu mm-hmm. level player. Yeah, I'm, I, w- I thought he was going to be a Will Sheridan, a, a guy who maybe could develop a little face up game. Was never going to be a guy that had the best offensive skills. He just wasn't built that way. Mm-hmm. But a solid defender, a good rebounder. And just generally a defender who would be in the right spot, you're not getting much of any of that. He's not yeah. in the right spot defensively, so he's not getting rebounds. Mm-hmm. And more importantly than that, he's not getting chances to get rebounds mm-hmm. because he's a liability. He's making wrong decisions on high ball screens, and you just can't yeah. have him out there on the floor. And it's shocking, I mean, because we're not at practice. So you're not, you don't see what's going on in terms of the development process week to week, day to day. But he just he's always struck me as a guy who's locked in. Great attitude, positive. I'll give you all would that. Would be willing. He seems like the guy who'd be a coachable player. So it's shocking to see the to not see the development that you'd expect. So I just wonder. I wonder what the missing variable is there. What could it possibly be? Is that a rhetorical question? Kind of, and I don't really want to go there because I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what his basketball IQ sure. is, but Fair. it doesn't look mm, great out there. Sure. Yeah, I mean, he's he's sort of developing into like you know, for lack of a better player, Daryl Reynolds. Like you, you, he came in sure. looking better than Daryl, absolutely. But now he's sort of gone back to this role where, you know, he he sees the floor in minutes yeah. where we are, we're in foul trouble and you know Jeremiah Robinson Earl needs to come out of the game and and we need to cover someone else's big and and that's about all that he can do you know he really if that he really I would say he's struggling. regressed yes. ba- past Daryl Reynolds I think Daryl Reynolds was a much more especially in 2018 his senior year mm-hmm. give Daryl Reynolds credit because he was not a big east player for the large majority mm-hmm. of his career I think he'd even tell you that right but he he became a very serviceable player because he was always in the right position. Mm-hmm. You were never going to be scared of him with his back to the basket if you were guarding him, mm-hmm. but he, he understood spacing, positioning, got rid of the ball offensively when he needed to. Uh, he was a serviceable he player. He held, held his own when we needed to, to in that 2016 That's national right. championship against right. that big North Carolina team. He held his own. Yep. And I think it was because Ochefu got hurt midway through that mm-hmm. year, right? Great he point. got some extra time, and he got to start for a little while, and you know, remember that St. John's game? Do no. you guys remember that? St. He had 18 points, and it oh, was like, yes. wow, this is the coming out part. It didn't quite go that way, but it was the beginning of things to come for Daryl. But that's you know, that's something that Cosby Roundtree could obviously use. I mean, yeah, anyone could use a nice 18 right. point game to boost your <laughs> confidence. But at this point, you know, how is Demir going to get back into this? He's yeah. he's getting six, maybe six minutes a game, and. Uh, not scoring many points, and he gets pulled right back out as soon as someone else is ready to get back on the floor. There's no way for him to really get back into this, and, and nor should Jay really give him all that much of a chance. We, uh, you know, he's he's a defensive liability. He he never quite had that offensive game, and uh, quite frankly, we just have a strong starting five right now. So, yeah, and, you know, to go back to your point, Tom, I think that depth is going to be the issue for this team, similar to what it was last year and you know i think they have a top 15 starting five but they do not have a top 15 bench by any stretch yeah just to not belabor the demir point too much but let's talk ratios here right if i had a ratio for the amount of defensive possessions that he has been on the floor better yet possessions where he's either had to be on the ball 
or had to defend a high ball screen, the ratio of that to the amount of times that Villanova's gotten beat with a slip screen and the big man cutting to the hole unguarded for a dunk is way too high. Way too high. It would be way too high on an absolute basis and on a relative basis. It just tips the scales. Uh, that's the issue, a- and uh, it's a, it's sad to see Jay yell at him and take him right off the floor after a play like that, but he has no choice. Just the way we've seen in games like when Butler came to the pavilion, now we'll switch to Cole Swider, where whoever Cole Swider would pick up on the defensive side, he, he started on their big, he got the back to the basket, backed him down because he's a little too soft and finished, and then Villanova switched him to the next guy, and Butler fed it to that gentleman on the post, and he beat Swider, and Jay had to pull him out. We didn't see him for the rest of the half. You know, as a coach, you don't really have a choice when it's that glaring of a liability. And unfortunately, with Cosby Roundtree and Swider, two guys with size that you want to box out and play defense for you, he doesn't have that luxury. It makes it tough. Yeah, we we talk a lot on this show about you know some of the shortcomings, and we've certainly harped on Demir. Yeah, we have. Sorry about that. That's <laughs> probably driven by me and Cole, and in years past more Jermaine uh, than we have this year. But uh, you know, overall, this this was a great week for this team. Yes. This is a great week against uh, a great game against Marquette. Good win, um, good win against Temple. You know, not the first half we were expecting, but. You know, this is this is right where you want this team to be in March. I think this is a better position than any of us thought that they would be in coming into this. Uh, I don't think we maybe foresaw, um, you know, Justin Moore being as good as he is mm-hmm. now. Nobody saw Colin Gillespie blossoming into the player that he is right now. And, and Villanova basketball is really in a great spot. You know, they're in a spot to put themselves at least into the second weekend in this NCAA tournament and, and hopefully defend their title in the Big East. Yeah, I think that's entirely possible to defend their title in the Big East. And, you know, a big reason why is the struggles of Seton Hall. And meanwhile, you look at Villanova's schedule for the next week. Again, there are no easy games in this conference. DePaul takes Villanova to overtime Mm -hmm. on Villanova's home floor just a few weeks ago. But a Wednesday night tilt, 9 o'clock tip at Wintrust Arena in downtown Chicago where DePaul plays. That's exciting. That's big time. Uh, should be a great game there, a late tip, stay up. And then on Saturday, it's on the road at Xavier, Cincinnati, Ohio. So two tough games there. Xavier saves their season last night, Monday evening, as they take down St. John's in a game where they trailed for the majority of that second half and scrounged their way to a victory in the final minute. Good for them. They played Villanova really tough. You look at their record and think, eh, under 500 in the Big East. This Xavier team is tough. They're 16-9. and nine. They are on the brink of an NCAA tournament bid. They just need to finish strong, finish weak, and they're not going to get in. That's a team that is motivated to go out there and win and will be a struggle. Uh, the athleticism of Najee Marshall jumps off the page at you. Big left-handed specimen that can cut to the basket, developing a better shot a great rebounder and a great overall player. You know, some wing guys on that Xavier team that make life difficult. It's a week where you expect two wins, but that game on the road at Xavier is a tough ask. Well, and definitely don't overlook DePaul. I mean, for sure, the Cintas Center in Cincinnati is going to be rocking. Um, Villanova is always the game, I'm sure, that's first circled on the calendar, maybe after the Cincinnati game uh, for Xavier fans. But uh, that DePaul game, uh, despite recent struggles, uh, it's still a better team than the DePaul has had. I expect some of the excitement from the non-conference part of the season and leading into Big East play to still be there. And then Kevin hit, hit it earlier that we have struggled when a team has a guy. And Charlie Moore lit us up mm-hmm. in the pavilion a month ago. And so the question will be, who do we put on him? Is it Sadiq? Can we lock him down? Uh, and I think is it, but you, you know, any coach will tell you that you don't guard a star player with just one guy. So can their better cohesive unit of a defense, which we've seen in recent weeks uh, since that DePaul game, can that come through in the clutch? I, I think that DePaul game certainly shouldn't be overlooked. Um, as you said, they took us to overtime last time, and they have a great player like Charlie Moore. And then the Cintas Center, of course, will be uh, a great atmosphere and is always a tough place to play. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, you mentioned the DePaul star there, right? And the, the, the star power at the top of the roster. 
talking about the star power at the bottom of the roster. Pontelius Gidas, the stud there at the end of the bench, uh, who, by the way, got into it with the Villanova student section, was the man. He is back hilarious. In, back in late January. Uh, he will be there in his, uh, in his home environment, if you will, his natural habitat, and uh, love that kid. Just absolutely love him. He's the best. So it's, uh, it's top to bottom on that DePaul roster, and it'll be a tough one on Wednesday. Looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, and, and top to bottom on the Big East, too. We just talked about that Villanova going through the gauntlet, right? You play, you play Creighton, you play Marquette, you play Seton Hall, you play Butler, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got to go on the road to Chicago and to Cincinnati to play Xavier and DePaul, and it, it doesn't get a whole lot easier. And that, that just gets me really excited for mid-March when, when all these teams are going to be heading up to New York together. And it quite honestly, wouldn't shock me if any one of these teams came away with this. I mean, you know, if you tell me that, that DePaul's going to win it, maybe I'd be a little bit more surprised. But there's there's – nothing outside of the realm of possibility you know all these teams have a shot to be playing in march uh playing for an ncaa title uh and, and i'm just really excited for a league that top to bottom has probably not ever had this much parity in the big east yeah and you talk about heading towards the big east tournament should be a great one up there in new york and this one is by way of tom trainer and since we're doing it we got to segue it in there they go up to madison square garden for the big east tournament does jay wright come back <laughs> uh, yes, uh, that was a great segue. Uh, yes, as well. Uh, yeah, Jay comes back. I don't think the Knicks are of any interest to him. I had uh, heard earlier in the day that it was not a mutual interest, and I believe that. I believe, one, that I think Jay, my money would be on Jay staying at Villanova forever. Um, and I think that if there were anything to take him away from Villanova, it would be uh, the job for that other basketball team at the Wells Fargo Center. Um, so I don't I don't see him leaving for New York. There's speculation because uh, he and Patty's house in Berlin is up for sale. Supposedly they're downsizing, but there's some questions about what does that mean. Um, reading between the lines, should we, should we not? Um, I don't think he's going anywhere again unless those uh, – Ten nine eight seven sixers. Give him a call. Yeah, I mean the other thing there, right? Could he leverage it to kind of pin Mark Jackson to the chair a little bit and, and try to get him to give him whether it's a raise or or a new facility or some combination of both or more money for his assistance, right? Those things happen all the time. The other talk show that we have here in this studio and on this network is the Penn State. You know, the Nittany Lions sports report, we talk about Penn State football. James Franklin has done that each of the last three years, and I don't know that there was necessarily um, no chance that he was going to leave, but it sure felt like he was just using it as leverage, which motion, most importantly was to get money for his assistance, which he has done, brought in very solid new assistance this mm -hmm. year with the exodus of a few, and, and I just wonder if there is any legs whatsoever, does he leverage it? To, uh, to get a raise for himself or a raise for his assistance or, or additions to the Davis Center locker room, et cetera. Other facilities involved with the program. Just a thought, absolutely nothing to that conjecture, but it's something that uh, we promised we would hit, and, and now we have. And uh, we, I, think we, I think we can move on with Jay as the long-term head of Villanova basketball. However, we do this whenever we talk about it. So, Tom, I don't think you were here the last time. If he were to move on, who would you like to bring in to lead the program? Mm. Oh, now I you now I caught do you. Do you think you guard. necessarily bring somebody in? I don't know. I'm asking you the question. Um, well, I think, I mean, the question might be inexperience, but I think how uh, Kovic, I think, would be a guy that has been there long enough, has been okay. a part of two national championship teams, has seen the program build from the dark ages yeah, uh, till now. But, I, again, I think the knock would be inexperienced. Sure. Uh, Kevin knows my two guys, doesn't he? Yeah, well, we talked about this a few weeks ago on the show. Yeah. Or we, I, I at least know we know one guy who is my favorite as well. Uh, which is Baker Dunleavy. Mm -hmm. He was, uh, you know, a quality assistant coach for a long time. Uh, Best developer of the big men that yep. I don't know has had in a long time. Absolutely. Now doing some good things over at uh, Quinnipiac, and I, I think he would be the uh, the next predecessor to uh, 
um, or successor to Jay Wright. Mm -hmm. That's a good point, Kev. I I don't see it being somebody not from Jay's coaching tree. Yeah, and that's why my second guy was Ashley Howard. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they'd be able to – I think they would be able to pull him from LaSalle. It's just – Interesting going across town. Besides, say, Fran Dunphy, you haven't seen much of that here in Philadelphia. But I certainly think that Ashley Howard would make the move if Villanova wanted him to. Excellent recruiter, really good coach, knows Philadelphia as well as anybody, including Jay Wright. Uh, that would be another excellent hire. I'd be those are my guys. I don't Baker think, and Ash. I don't think the question is if they would make the move. I think it's the question of who Villanova would prefer. Sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I and, and of the two, I'd prefer Baker, and I have contended that since they were both on staff, I've contended it since Baker left, and I still contend it to this day that I would go one one A, but Baker one Ashley one A. Just blessed to have two guys like that mm-hmm. come through the program and now leaving their mark on different programs. Ashley Howard. Awesome to have him in Philadelphia. Such a great representation of what Philly basketball is all about, and uh, hopefully that he continues to grow his career, whether at LaSalle or elsewhere. And Villanova can only be so lucky when the time came to have somebody like him at the helm. So, anyway, just thought it was... Uh, that was a very comforting discussion. Yeah. Because you leave it thinking, oh, well, they'd be in good hands. That's right. They'd be in good hands. So no that, doubt that about was, it. That was great. Could have been an Allstate commercial. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Well, with that said, we're going to leave you in good hands with uh, our sponsors here as we uh, head to a quick commercial break. And then we're going to bring you our V's and O's segment. And we're going to talk about Villanova and one particular offensive possession that, for me, defined the second half. But you saw a lot of those same concepts throughout the, uh, the majority of the second half. And that led to them teeing off from three, taking high percentage looks from deep, and making a whole bunch of them. And that led them to victory. And we're going to explore that. And something for everybody to watch and keep an eye on is that ball movement when we go to uh, whenever we turn on our televisions on Wednesday night when they take on DePaul. So stay with us. Tom Trainer, Kevin Long, Bob Long here for Bob Long Sports and the Villanova Basketball Report. Dunphy Ford is Mayfair's neighborhood Ford store. Nobody knows your neighborhood like Dunphy Ford. Nearly 40 years. Right here on Frankfurt Avenue. Generation after generation. Our neighbors continue to be our customers. We have access to the cars and trucks you want with financing you need. Dumpy Ford is Northeast Philly's first choice for America's number one brand. 7700 Frankfurt Avenue in Mayfair. Online at www.dumpyford.com. Come experience the Dumpy difference. You'll be glad you did. V's and O's is a segment where we take a look at the whiteboard and go through one aspect of Villanova basketball and break it down. Right here, X's and O's type format. And today we're going to talk about the game against Temple, Villanova's second half output, largely driven by hitting the three-point shot. And one play in particular, one offensive possession, really struck a chord for me. And it's going to involve nine seconds, seven passes, and four dribbles. And one wide-open three-point shot. And I think this is emblematic of Villanova's basketball offense at its best. So Colin Gillespie, off a semi-rush opportunity, a semi-transition, takes the ball down the floor here. He ends up right here. His back is to the basket, defended by Temple and each of these players across Sadiq Bay, Brandon Slater, Jermaine Samuels, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, right? And so the man-to-man defense allows Gillespie here with this defender sagging off Sadiq Bay and this defender sagging a bit off Brandon Slater, Gillespie starts bypassing the ball here. So that's number one, right? And then Sadiq Bay, without blinking, moves the ball to Brandon Slater. That's pass number two. Brandon Slater then passes it to Colin Gillespie. He's going to tick out here. Here's Colin Gillespie, right? So that's pass number three. And again, this all in the span of nine seconds. Gillespie now is going to dribble this ball. He gets two dribbles into the lane here. Jump stop, finds Jeremiah Robinson Earl with the fourth pass as this defender is now sagging off him. Robinson Earl very quickly here to Jermaine Samuels. That's pass number five. And again, these defenders are working, trying to catch up to these Villanova players. The ball movement is too quick. Now Jermaine Samuels, he's going to take two dribbles here. He works his way into the lane. 
That's pass number, well, he gets to the point here, and now he's going to, as Slater comes out this way, Sadiq Bey comes here, pass number six right here to Brandon Slater. That's pass number six. And then Colin Gillespie through this is moving over to here, replacing where Bay was before. Bay with the seventh pass right back to Colin Gillespie. He's wide open for three, and he hits it. So again, nine seconds, seven passes, four dribbles, and one open three-point shot. This in a game that was an 11-point game at the time with about six and a half minutes left. It became a 14-point game, and this is a play that's emblematic of what Villanova does so well. So yeah, okay, this is a little bit, uh, no doubt about it, it's a little bit messy on here, but let's try this one more time from the top. Gillespie, back to the basket, finds Bay. Bay moves it to Slater. Slater, back to Colin Gillespie, who checks in here, dribbles inside, gets it going to Robinson Earl, over to Jermaine Samuels. He dribbles in here, jump stop. Villanova's so good at utilizing the jump stop. Now Bay checks out here. Pass comes here. Gillespie out here, extra pass. Seven passes, nine seconds and a wide-open three-point shot. This is the Villanova offense that has built a program to win two national championships, a whole bunch of Big East titles in the last five years, and has escalated Jay Wright to the top of the coaching echelon in college basketball and beyond. It's this type of motion offense. Bear in mind, Colin Gillespie, the point guard, is the only player inside the three-point line when this play develops, and that creates the spacing for these passes it allows the defenders, they think they're, you know, they have to sag off because any of these guys can beat them to the basket. And then the quick ball movement forces these players out of position and allows Villanova to get involved and inside on the penetration where they can either go all the way to the hole, force a secondary defender, and then kick, or they can just pivot, which they do so well, and wait for an off-ball cutter. And that's the beauty of the four-out, one-in offense and the beauty of having a guy like Colin Gillespie, a point guard, strong enough, smart enough, and a good enough passer to run his sets from back-to-the-basket type looks and create looks like that. That's the Villanova offense that I'm used to seeing. That's the Villanova offense that leads to wins and titles. And that is the Villanova offense you should be looking to see over the course of this year as Jeremiah Robinson Earl gets more experience. Jermaine Samuels continues to build the basketball IQ. Sadiq Bey continues to have a phenomenal year. And then Brandon Slater, this could be Justin Moore. You could input Cole Swider into this mix. Any of these guys can spread the floor that way, some of them better shooters than others. But really, the driver of the engine is Colin Gillespie. And this is the Villanova offense that will allow them to be successful over the rest of this year. So that's our V's and O's report here. We'll take it back to the studio in just a few minutes. Bob Long, Kevin Long, Tom Trainer here. Thanks, everybody, for being with us on the Villanova Basketball Report. And this was V's and O's. Dunphy Ford is Mayfair's neighborhood Ford store. Nobody knows your neighborhood like Dunphy Ford. Nearly 40 years. Right here on Frankfurt Avenue. Generation after generation, our neighbors continue to be our customers. We have access to the cars and trucks you want. With financing you need. Dumpy Ford is Northeast Philly's first choice for America's number one brand. 7700 Frankfurt Avenue in Mayfair. Online at www.dumpyford.com. Come experience the Dumpy difference. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back inside the Villanova Basketball Report. Bob Long, Kevin Long, Tom Trainer, uh, no longer with us, but I appreciate his time. Great insight from Tom over the first half of the show. And I know you had some thoughts as well here, Kevin, on the V's and O's segment. Yeah, great, great as always to have Tom back on the show. I think that was the first time that all three of us have done this together since uh, probably the 2018 season. So, And that was a national championship here. So coincidence? I That's think right. not. Uh, we'll see. Um, but, you know, when you were talking especially about Colin Gillespie and the way that he's able to uh, put his back to the basket and he's able to make some plays while being down there, it reminds me a lot of the days of Jalen Brunson. That's you know that's what he would always do. He wasn't necessarily the biggest guy or the fastest guy or the strongest guy. And Colin Gillespie, in a lot of ways, reminds me of Jalen Brunson, the way that he's able to use his body to create space for others and himself uh, when he's down low, able to play with his back to the basket and 
you know, then ends up finding himself a, a hole to slip into, and then he's open for a three-point shot. So, uh, you know, this is the way that these Jay Wright teams have played for a long time now. They understand when to make that extra pass in order to get, uh, you know, maybe from an open shot to a wide open shot. And, and these guys, without hesitation, will make that pass to their teammate and, you know, get that basket, um, get an easy hoop. So, um, you know, great V's and O's segment. I think you hit the nail on the head with, with Jay Wright, his philosophy, and these guys. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see more of that as we get into the home stretch of the season here. Yep, no doubt about it. And uh, interesting here, Ryan Lennox, by the way, the uh, radio producer for Villanova Basketball Radio through Fox Sports and also through 610 ESPN, that's the channel. Uh, Fox Sports Media Group is, is who actually produces the broadcast. But he said that he thinks Swider's ready to make a statement. And, and I can certainly understand that because he's been struggling at times, but we talk about the game slowing down to these guys. I mean, you mentioned the whiteboard and some of the different guys getting involved. Swider can be that next guy. He just needs to continue to get stronger. A great three-point shooter, to have that fourth guy on the floor that can hit the three is, is big. Um, and, and he thinks Justin Moore as well. And I, I couldn't agree more on Justin Moore. He is a phenomenal player who should be a starter on a regular basis. Uh, it's just a size thing, I suppose. You want He's playing starter minutes, not always mm-hmm. in a starter role, but he's phenomenal. Yeah, he certainly has made a contribution right off the bat. The, the only thing I'll say about Justin Moore is maybe doesn't always fall into that philosophy of make that extra pass for the wide open guy. He's still learning. You know, I, I don't, you know, take that as a detriment to him as a person or any or as a basketball player or anything, but he is still learning that. He has a little bit of that Phil Booth in him right now. It's got to be something with the, the number, right? It has to be the number. That must be it. But, hey, you know, the guy shoots well. You know, th- those times when you would say to Phil Booth, like, no, 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 don't shoot that ball, and it goes in, you see that, you know, almost just as often from Justin Moore. So uh, having a great freshman campaign, nothing more that we could ask from him. And as for Cole Swider, you know that Jay Wright is in his ear right now saying, keep taking the shots, keep throwing them up. You're a great shooter. Uh, you know, just keep it rolling. It's going to fall for you. Things are going to fall in line for you. Uh, because you can tell at the end of some of those games, like you think back to the Creighton game where he was, you know, looking a little shaky. He looks like his confidence is shaken. Uh, and he comes back in the next game and he's, catching and shooting right away he maybe has a guy right up in his face but he's catching and shooting so clearly he's getting some confidence in his shot Jay Wright is is saying all the right things to him and and I think as we see him start to hit some of those shots he's going to build some confidence in himself and hopefully provide some much needed depth for this team down the stretch good stuff you talk about freshman and sophomore campaigns for this Villanova team it's now time for cats in the wild where we go to the NBA break down some of the young and old Villanova Wildcats, but I get the sense that you might be talking about some youngsters this week. Cats in the wild. Absolutely, Bob. That is correct. And uh, we've alluded to it several times on this show who, who this guy might be over the course of the season, and that's Eric Paschal having a great campaign in his rookie season, 13.5 points a game, 4.5 rebounds a game for the Golden State Warriors who are overall struggling right now, but allowing Eric the opportunity to show what he can do. Uh, Got selected for the Futures game uh, this past weekend at the All-Star weekend and uh, scored 23 points for the USA team in that game. Uh, so very encouraging to see Eric going up against some of the top talent in the league, some of the top young talent, uh, and performing so well. So uh, it, it's been a great season so far. It was a great weekend for Eric and, and a great weekend to get himself some exposure uh, and a guy who really has just almost come out of nowhere, a guy that you may not have expected to have the kind of success early in his career. You saw the the three first-rounders the previous year, um, and Jalen Brunson, who was probably one of the best, if not the best, all-time Villanova basketball player, and and nobody having more success right now in the NBA than Eric Paschal, save maybe Kyle Lowry, who has who had done it for a long time. Yes, and took two charges in the All-Star game. That was phenomenal. And Jay Wright even gave him a shout-out on Twitter, which was 
I guess expected. I mean that that's that's Villanova basketball, all star game or not. How about that? People Absolutely. were not enjoying it though. Absolutely. He sh- people were saying on Twitter that he should simultaneously win the All Star Game MVP and never be allowed to come back to the All Star Game for taking two charges in the key moments of the game. That's Villanova basketball, man. They don't, they don't give up. I will tell you, watching that Toronto Raptors 76ers series last year in the playoffs was was heartbreaking because he was that guy always taking those charges. And, you know, it's it's that thing that you love when you're a Villanova basketball fan, but when you're on the other end of it, it's not so great. But, you know, that, that's what Jay has always preached. And going back to Villanova, you think about Temple when Villanova's up by 20 and, and Chris Archidiakno gets a chance to get in the game. And he's diving on the floor to get a ball. And, you know, that's just that Villanova attitude. And, and it's always great to see at any level. Yeah, so we'll see if that attitude continues to carry on. Uh, the number 12 team in the country still chasing Penn State for the second week in a row. Just has to be stated. It simply must be stated. Last week when Penn State was ranked above Villanova, it was the first time in the history of the AP poll that Penn State was the top-ranked team in the state of Pennsylvania. Either Duquesne, LaSalle, or Villanova. As you might imagine, most of those times when both when Penn State was ranked, it was, it was Villanova ranked ahead of them. Mm-hmm. But the first time in the history of the AP poll that they were the top-ranked team in Philadelphia and uh, in Pennsylvania. So this is now the second week, and they're playing right now. As soon as we close up shop here, we're going to catch the second half of that one. So that should be fun. Penn State playing here today. Uh, for those of you followers of our Nittany Lions Sports Report, you also know that I uh, am as diehard of a Penn State fan uh, mm-hmm. as as it gets. So very happy to see. The Nittany Lions play well, and boy, a four-versus-five second-round matchup. That would be something else between Villanova and Penn State. That would be pretty special, uh, a battle that is starting to brew here in the state of Pennsylvania and, and for recruiting in the city of Philadelphia. And a former Jay Wright assistant in Pat Chambers, one of those other guys that we talk about from that tree. Pat Chambers, longtime assistant here at Villanova, the first Final Four run in 2009 first Final Four run in recent memory, that is. That was with Pat on the staff. That's right, and you have to think that now he's in a pretty good situation that, you know, Villanova is definitely a a higher basketball prestige school, but would he be looking to to leave his situation? You're probably, if not definitely, in the best college basketball conference in the country right now, uh, playing with, you know, team number two in that conference, looking strong, is there is there a reason for him to leave? So uh, that that would be another interesting wrinkle should Jay Wright fall to another team. Boy, it is just amazing. College basketball is amazing, and everything you said was exactly correct about Pat Chambers and in the conference. And would he jump? I think he would, but let's just say he wouldn't. If he goes 500 this year, he's gone. He would have been fired from Penn State. That's my opinion. But I've been led to believe that from a lot of factors. And there were a lot of folks that thought in Happy Valley and Penn State country that he should have been gone two, three, four years ago. And then he was given way too long of a leash. If Lamar Stevens declares for the NBA last year, does he get fired after this year? What does this season look like for Penn State? It's just, man, you you want to go into that profession because you get paid a whole bunch of money and there's a lot of prestige and it's a sport you love. But my goodness, that is a tough profession. That We're talking about the difference between Pat Chambers being fired from Penn State after this year because he hasn't really taken the steps, but again, at a program where there's no history, not great facilities, they don't even own the Bryce Jordan Center. I mean, there's a lot of drawbacks and detractions from that job. But now we're talking about him as potentially coach of the year in college basketball and a guy who wouldn't leave Penn State for Villanova, potentially. Wow. Coaching yeah. is a fickle profession at the college level. Quite, quite a 360 and uh, you know, very, very surprising to see what Penn State has done. And, yeah, you said it. It's, it's essentially out of the control of the coach. There are certainly things that they can do. They can recruit uh, you know, they can institute a game plan. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the players being there, you know, Lamar Stevens coming back, being ready to play. And, um, 
you know, going out and playing against some of the best competition in the country in the Big Ten. And, you know, they could have gone 500 in the Big Ten and still be possibly a, a tournament team. And, you know, maybe he's not viewed as the same light, but here they are having an outstanding season, 20-5, and five, and, you know, really going strong in, in the Big Ten right now. Uh, I, I believe second in the conference, I want to say. Yeah, that's right? right. That's right. And a chance to jump Maryland at some point as well. Going to be a wild finish to the season. This is the Villanova Basketball Report live here on Bob Long Sports. Bob Long, Kevin Long. Again, the games this week at DePaul on Wednesday evening at 9 o'clock and then at Xavier on Saturday afternoon. Should be a lot of fun. Should be a great weekend for Villanova Basketball. Looking to win four straight if they take both of those. Kevin, any other things that we didn't hit before we get out of here? No, nothing else. Uh, the only other thing I would add is just uh, you know these two games – can't take them lightly. It's going to be uh, difficult to, to go on the road and win these games. And if they come not ready to play, they will certainly get beat. They cannot afford to have a slow start to the first half like they've had in a lot of these games recently. So I'm looking for them to come out strong and, and hopefully carry that through the games in this, in this next week here. Thanks, everybody, for being with us here this week on the Villanova Basketball Report. Bob Long, Kevin Long here in studio. Tom Trainer was in for the first extended segment. We appreciate his time, but most importantly, appreciate everybody watching. We're available on YouTube at Bob Long Sports, Facebook and Twitter at Bob Long Sports, and on SoundCloud as well. You guessed it, Bob Long Sports. You can get involved with what we're doing, stay involved with the programming. Uh, our broadcast season has just about come to an end. Only Swarthmore basketball continues on as they are still the number one team in the country at the D3 level. You can check out those broadcasts on boblongsports.com or swathmoreathletics.com. Uh, Drexel Hockey on the way to Nationals, so happy for them. And LaSalle Basketball came up just one game short of the Philadelphia Catholic League playoffs. A valiant effort down the stretch from that team. Those semifinals are tomorrow night at the Palestra. Should be a whole bunch of fun. Archbishop Ryan, upstart team taking on Newman Garetti. That would be an upset, but... Excited for that one. And then Roman Catholic against Archbishop Wood. The game of the year earlier on in the conference. Make that the league. Philadelphia Catholic League. Uh, rematches here. That was a double overtime thriller. And now they'll play it on a neutral floor at the Cathedral of College Basketball, the Palestra. So that's a little walk around what's going on in Bob Long Sports. But appreciate those of you that are checking in on the Villanova side. And we'll be back next week for our show. Again, Kevin Long, Tom Trainer, alongside me, Bob Long. Saying so long here from Bluebell, our studios here for Bob Long Sports. We'll see everybody next time. Thanks so much.